0: Come on, put your hands together one more time. You may be seated. Friday night, I sent in to our team to get everything ready for Sunday. I had a sermon prepared, written, notes for the screen done. Everything was all ready to go. And Saturday morning, I had this sneaky suspicion that God had something different to say. And so I am here today to, to, to really to tell you is I believe what Solomon says in Proverbs 25, 11. He says, it, this is in one paraphrase version, he said, the right word at the right time is like expensive jewelry. We don't need truth today, we need timely truth, amen? And I feel like I have a timely word for you that God has given me something I, that I want to give to you. I, I want to give you three prayers that I pray when I'm not really sure what the next steps are, when, I, when I'm kind of unsure of what the future looks like, when I really feel inadequate for what's ahead. Anybody ever say that? I feel so inadequate for the future. That's where I'm at. And I'm going, God, I'm, I'm not sure if I can do this. So I'm, I borrowed three prayers from the same person who felt deficient, powerless, He messed up. The people he's leading messed up. And the only thing he could do was utter these three prayers that I want to read to you in just a few moments. And not only do I feel that I pray this on a Saturday before entering into the pulpit on Sunday, but man, I've been trying to pray this every single day. And and I'm believing today it's going to bring hope to us today. Let's pray. Father, I ask you that in the name of Jesus, would you just bring hope to this place today? May, May Christ... Begin to be honored, God glorified. Lives change today as we begin to learn that, Lord, we can't take a step without you. We can't move forward without you. So today, we invite you in to our own lives, to Times Square Church, those that are watching online, into their homes, and right here in the sanctuary on 51st and Broadway. We invite you and your presence in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen? All right, let's get ready to go. I want you to take out a piece of paper. Well, let me, a piece of paper. How many still write with paper anymore? Would you raise your hand? Okay, how, how many put it on an iPad or a phone? Okay, so we know this is this is a, a, an older church. Okay, let's go. Um, here's what I learned about people in in the Bible when God was calling them to a brand new season. Whether it was Abraham or... Moses, David, or Jeremiah, when God would put his finger on somebody, it was interesting to me that no one ever said, when God said, I choose you, no one ever responded with, well, it's about time. I've been waiting this long. I've been ready for the last two years. No one ever said that. It's always been, "Are you?" basically, here's what the response is. Are you kidding me? Seriously, me? You're going to choose me? I'm I'm a I'm a shepherd or Moses. I don't even know how to speak. Um, or it's Jeremiah. I, I'm just but a, I'm, I'm I'm a child. I'm just. How can I speak to this people? And it's interesting to me that when God begins to put His finger on somebody, the task is always bigger than the person. When when God spoke to Pastor Carter and said. That I was supposed to come in and lead the church even during a very difficult season. I said, you got the wrong person. I said, there's there's no way. Everyone felt inadequate for their assignment from God. Whether it's ministry or marriage. Whether it's ministry or parenthood. In those moments when the task and the calling is big. You've got to trust in the big God. And here's what I've learned. Listen Times Square Church. I've learned that anyone who feels ready isn't ready. Let me just tell you that right now. Anyone who says that I'm ready for this really isn't ready because it's in these moments that God begins to bring a a heart that begins to depend upon him. There are no books that I could find that would help me lead through a pandemic and lead through all the, the unrest that we have faced globally. But though I didn't find help, in a book or in a in in a, a sermon, I did find help in a man that has gone through uncertainty and these three prayers. I, I, I want to tell you something. I, I was an honor uh, this week. I sit on a board that we had our yearly board meeting on the west coast um, at the beginning of the week. It's a it's a it's for World Challenge that was started by David Wilkerson, the founder of this church that Gary Wilkerson, his son, still leads today, and God is using. World Challenge and Gary, uh, all over the world. And I'm so thankful that myself and some others have a chance to be part of that. Something was said in the meeting by the chairman of the board that, that really I kind of took with me. I said, man, this is so true. And, and this is, the, in his morning devotional, I want you to jot this little phrase down. And I want to kind of, I want to just speak to it just for a few moments. This is what he said. He said, follow the nudge and live in the fog, follow the nudge and live in the fog. Nudge, meaning the, the, the kind of the nudge of the Holy Spirit. When God begins to push you, one of the interesting things that I want to be clear is because, because fog, I think has two connotations. It has two meanings to it that I want you to jot this down. You have the word fog there, but just take F-O-G And many define that as favor of God. Just follow the nudge and live in the favor of God. But can I tell you, there are many times I follow the nudge and it literally is foggy the next couple steps. You kind of take the next steps, you're going like, I don't see what's next. I don't even see how to get through the next thing. And here's what I want you to understand. When you obey that nudge from the Holy Spirit, whatever that may be to take your next step, one of the things i want you to understand is sometimes it, though it may be the favor of god there also may come uncertainty for what's going to begin to come next and but always remember it's fog it's not a wall it's not solid that god still gives us the opportunity to move forward even in those uncertain times that with some, so many so many of us We just have to take the next step, or let me say it to you this way, we just need to know the direction, not always the destination, on where even we're going. Let me give you a side note of someone who had the favor of God, but also the fog of what was going next. You know who that was? That was Joshua, Moses' successor. When you read the book of Joshua and read the very first chapter, this is his first day on the job, and if you wanna know fog, this is Joshua chapter one. Favor of God, but also uncertainty for the future. God's first words to Joshua are repeated. God repeated his first words to Joshua four times in that 18-verse chapter. You ready for this? He said these words over and over again. Joshua, be strong and courageous. 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 Okay, this is going to be real deep now. Why was Joshua told to be strong and courageous? You ready for this? You're not even going to believe this. Because he wasn't strong and courageous. Because he didn't have those characteristics. It was as if God was going, listen, I'm going to keep telling you this because for you to take the next step, because there may be some fear there, just to take the next step ahead, I need you to understand. But here's what's also interesting. Because when you think about it, why wasn't joshua strong and courageous you ready for this because for the last 40 years joshua was trained in how to wander but not in how to take battle and how to war he he lived he lived under Moses' leadership and for 40 years they wandered in the wilderness he wasn't being trained to battle but now he's put in a foggy situation favor of god you're going to take possession but foggy how are we going to do that Because God was telling him this, and the two biggest obstacles, fog, that was in front of him, Jordan River and Jericho's wall. Think about that. How in the world are you going to do this? Well, Joshua, I just need you to be strong and courageous. That's the first step. You may not know the destination, but you do know the direction. Just be strong. Be courageous. Take the next step. And all of a sudden, the fog, even the favor of God, started to kind of clear up the fog just a little bit. And what's amazing is, as soon as Joshua heard, by the third time, be strong and courageous. This is what Joshua said. He said this, listen to chapter 1, verse 11. He says, go through the camp, tell the people, three days from now, we're gonna cross the Jordan. Folks, look at me for a second. There was no bridge across the Jordan. Are you out of your mind, Joshua? Tell them, we're gonna cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land. That means we're gonna go to battle. We don't know how to battle Joshua. How are we going to do that? Don't worry about that. Your God is giving you the land for your own. This is what's amazing with this, is that there was fog ahead, but all of a sudden he realizes that all I got to do is take the next step. What is God going to do? God can open up a Jordan River, just like he did the Red Sea. What are we going to do? There's a big wall in front of us. God can take that wall down of the Jerichoites just as he took down the wall of the Egyptians and got us out of 400 years of bondage. God is able to do this. If I'm walking in the favor of God, it may be foggy, but God is able to do this. And that's why these three prayers help me to understand what to do in taking that next step. The three prayers come from a man named Moses. It's, it's all the way in the book of Exodus, but I gotta give you a quick bio to get you to the three prayers, and I'm gonna have you jot down these three prayers in just a moment. Because it wasn't an issue, could God get them out of Egypt? The issue was, could God use Moses in his leadership? Okay, here's the bio. You ready for this, Times Square Church? Listen, online, listen closely. Here's, here's the bio. Moses is 80 years old when God says, I have a new assignment. Okay, listen up, old people. Listen up, here we go, because just when you are about to get your condo in Florida, just when you are about to cash in on a 401k, just when you are about to use your AARP card for your 15% discount, listen to me close, you better hold on, God may have a new assignment for you. So look, 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 look at the old person, no, just, just look at the person next to you and go, look at the person next to you and say, God may have assignment for you, God may have an assignment for you. Listen. 80 years old, think of this. Moses is a four-decade shepherd. You retire after four decades. 40 years taking care of sheep. And God says, God says, it's not done yet. And now in a few months, talk about fog, favor of God and fog, you ready for this? God says, you've been leading three people all this time, your wife and your two kids. Next month, you'll be leading three million people. What? Talk about fog. I, I, I can't even control the two kids you've given me. I could see Moses going like, these two kids are out of control, let alone leading an entire nation out of bondage. And think of this, a nation that's been in bondage for 400 years, who you would think would be happy to get out of bondage. But if you think about it, you're dealing with the people who've been living in slavery, which causes distrust, skepticism. Their culture has been stripped from them. And now they're living for the last 400 years being skeptical of authority and distrusting anybody that's in a leadership position or an authoritative position over them. And God's going, you're going to become their leader. Not only did you lead your wife and your two children, but now you're going to lead all them at 80 years old. That's why if you're sitting here today and you feel like you, 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 you've done your job, God may be putting you in a brand new situation. That's why we even talk about, I'll mention this shortly, about even connect groups. There's some of you that are watching online from your connect group, saying, we do this. We watch Times Square Church on Sundays from different parts of the world. That some of you are sitting in this place that you may be that 40 year shepherd. Maybe you're retiring from a, a, the fire department or the police department or from working for the city of New York or for whatever city you're watching from. And you think you're about to wrap it up. And God goes, No, 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 don't wrap it up because I have another assignment for you. I'm going to put you into another situation and get you ready for this. I've learned this about the future. One thing that is certain about the future is that the future is uncertain. That before you start wrapping things up, and the only way to lead in uncertainty is by prayer. And this is where God begins to help us in those times. And I think these three prayers is what helped us, is what helped me to lead in these uncertain times. And as I started to try to pray them every single day. And I want to give them to you today, as some of us are walking in uncertainty. And, and, but trusting in the right thing. Trusting and realizing it's God that gets me through this. Let me, let me tell you what happened this week. Um, my children asked me. We, we, we have a home. We are big baseball fans in our home. And especially when it gets to October and November, we're excited for postseason baseball. And my children are all big Yankee fans. They said, what if we go to the Bronx? What if we go down to the Bronx this week? And so um, I said, okay, let's go. And we heard something in that stadium That blew. Like we all stared at each other. Like, what did we just hear? Now, folks, there's a lot of things you hear around you in the Bronx and in Yankee Stadium, but what we heard blew us away. That they have a thing that they that they do for every player that stands up to the plate. They call this um, as they as they're coming up as they're coming up to the plate. They call it their walkout song. They play a song that matches their personality, that's something that they they love and is dear to them and describes them. And so we're just there at the game and don't even realize this, as one of the Yankee players are walking to get up to bat over the sound system of Yankee Stadium, 50,000 people in the stadium, we hear these words blaring over the, the, the sound. Uh, the speakers all I know is I'm not home yet this is not where I belong take this world and give me Jesus this is not where I belong we all looked at each other going like hallelujah in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium You have a multi-million dollar player going, I may be in pinstripes, I may have reached the pinnacle of my gifting and my talent, but this is not where I belong. Take this world of baseball and give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. That's the only way. And I started to think to myself, this is amazing. He's not stuck going like I made it. He realizes there's so much more. And that's the challenge, even for us, Times Square Church, is that when God is asking us to take a step, we can't get stuck. You ready for this? I wanna give you a statistic that, that astounded me from the scriptures, and, and, and it's important for us to get a hold of this, especially all of us right here at 51st and Broadway. I wanna to talk, to, I wanna really challenge us right here. Listen to this in the book of Acts. Do you know that 39 of the 40 miracles occurred outside the church? That what God was saying was this don't be limited to a building. That I can do whatever I want, I can fill people up with the Holy Spirit. That's what I, I was raised this way come to the altar and get filled with the Holy Spirit. I think God's going, I can fill anybody, anywhere, anytime. Anytime I want to do it, I can do it in a kitchen, I can do it in a living room, and I can do it on 51st and Broadway. That's why, that God goes, that, that's why when we begin to challenge you, even on a connect group, or Pastor Carter challenges us after the prayer meeting on Tuesday night and says, now, before you turn off, why don't you pray? And he's challenging even for, for people to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that we're not limited to simply a place because God's not limited that way. That God can. So some of you are going like, Are you saying that God can do something even on Zoom? If He's God, He can do whatever He wants to do. So that's why. Listen, if God can play Christian lyrics at Yankee Stadium, He can do whatever He wants around the country and around the world. That's why, as we get ready to move forward here, I believe that God is going to help us as we move forward. I, I want to take you to these three prayers, but I have to show you how we got there. They just, the children of Israel just get out of Egypt. In Exodus 14, they complain about the obstacles when they leave Egypt. Exodus 15, they complain about they have no water. Exodus 16, they complain that there is no food. Exodus 17, they complain that there's no water again. Exodus 18, Moses joins in and starts complaining that he's counseling all day long and all night long and he's getting tired. And Exodus 19, Moses just goes, I've had enough, I'm going to the mountain of God, I'm gonna talk to God. Smart thing. And when he comes down, it's the last straw. In Exodus 19, he goes up to the mountain. Exodus 32, he comes down. 13 chapters later, which represent 40 days and 40 nights, comes down and sees a party of people dancing with a golden calf. And it's at that moment that Moses just goes, I've had enough. Because this is where the prayers come from. He, he literally watches these people and says, I can't do this anymore. They complain about everything. I'm counseling. And now they're worshiping stuff. And I think the prayers that come next is what helps Moses. It's when you feel, and I feel so inadequate for the future, when you're just going like enough is enough. I think these three prayers is what helps us get get through. Let me just give them to you very quickly. Here's how they go. You ready for this? Three prayers. I'll I'll give them to you, and then we're going to kind of look through them. Number one, Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. but But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Here it comes. If you're pleased with me, first prayer, teach me your ways. So I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation, I love this last part. Remember that these are your people. These people dancing around here, these crazy people, those are your people. But I love the first part. Teach me your ways. Jot that down and keep a little space there. Second prayer. The Lord replied, my presence is going to go with you and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then don't send us from you. You know what the second prayer is? Lord, I need your presence. First prayer. First prayer is this teach me your ways. Second prayer is this. Lord, I need your presence. If you don't go with us, I can't go. And let me just give you the last one and it's this. Then Moses said, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Let me give you those three prayers again. Here it is. Number 1, it is teach me your ways. Verse 13. Number 2, Lord, I need your presence. And number 3, Lord, Show me your glory. Let me give them to you again. Teach me your ways. I need your presence. Show me your glory. Let me say them again. Teach me your ways. I need your presence. Show me your glory. Hey, can we say these together? Come on, say them with me. Teach me your ways. I need your presence. Show me your glory. Come on, one more time. Teach me your ways. I need your presence. Show me. How about this? Lift your hands up and make it your prayer today. Come on, say it again. Teach me your ways. I need your presence. Show me your glory. Amen. We need that. Now, Now, I have to just take one moment before we go through each of these and show you how important they are and tell you how this came about. When Moses sees that golden calf, there's one thing I didn't tell you what he had in his hands. When he comes down after 40 days and 40 nights, he has what is considered to be the most important document probably for human history in his hands. He's holding two stone tablets that has revolutionized, really, the, 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 the inhabited world today. That has, given both, that has given morality, that has influenced our planet more than any other document. It is respected, revered, lived by, and it's God's most important document in human history as a moral compass. Do you know what it is? It was the 10 watt the Ten Commandments, and he's holding them in his hand. And here's what happens when he sees them dancing around a golden calf. The Bible says he throws them and shatters them. This is the Ten Commandments. And it says he did it because he was angry. The people that, your people that are complaining about everything, I'm counseling morning, noon, and night, and Moses breaks every breaks them right there the two tablets at the lowest point exodus chapter 32 the 10 commandments are shattered he has broken he has he has broken the 10 commandments he is frustrated with this messed up people he is confused and angry and all of a sudden the only thing he has left to do is to pray at this moment chapter 32 the calf is made the tablets are shattered chapter 33 Moses prays these three prayers But let me just jump ahead for just one moment, because I think this is what's so important to me, is that after he prays these prayers, you know what God does? And folks, this is why makes these prayers so important. God steps back into the picture after he prays these prayers. Here it is, and says this in Exodus 34.1. Now the Lord said to Moses, cut out for yourself two tablets like the former ones, and I'm going to write on the tablets that were on the former tablets, which you shattered. Do you know what God said? Even you, even though you mess this up with your own anger and rage, I'm going to put it back together. And folks, look at me. Some of you are sitting in this place who have shattered things in your life, who have messed up things by our own emotions and angers from other emotions that have shattered marriages, shattered children's lives. There are people sitting here, you have, you have lost jobs and you've lost friendships and relationships because you couldn't control an emotion, just like Moses. But I have to tell you something about the God that we serve. And the God that we serve is this, he puts shattered things back together. He can take the stuff that you dropped, that you threw down. This was it. The people, the people didn't shatter it. Moses shattered it. And God goes Listen, I can put those things back together. Do you know I had a man meet me right after service, after the 10 o'clock service? A man who says, I'm from Egypt. And God spoke to me yesterday to go to Times Square Church. I didn't know what I was coming for. And he said, when you talk about shattering your world, he said, I shattered everything in my world. And I heard those words today and found out that God can put my world back together. That God loves that man so much that would bring him from Egypt and speak to him in New York and say, I can put your life back together. Listen to me, folks. If you're watching online, if you're in the balcony on this main floor, it doesn't matter what you have shattered by your own anger and rage. God has a way of putting it back. Back together, but the first thing we got to do is we got to get you to pray first. Because we serve a God that is able to do that. We serve a God that can put things back together. That's why we need God. I don't need anyone else. I don't need anything else. I need a God that can fix what I, can, what I have broken. And the only one that can do that is the God of this universe. That's why I love this verse. Listen to this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6, it's one of my favorite verses about God. It says, Who can build a temple large enough for God on 51st and Broadway? Heavens and the earth are too small of a place for him to live in. The heavens and the earth can't even contain him. Neither can this place. God is bigger than anything that we can do. See, he's bigger than all of this. That's why I love the story of the little fourth grader in public school when they were trying to teach him that every religion is the same. And they looked at the class and they looked at one young man who has been a Christian, for, for, so he grew up in the church, and they looked and, they, and this is what they said to this little fourth grader. They said, How many gods are there in the world? And Johnny's reply was this There's one God. How do you know that required the fourth grade school teacher? And according to this verse, he goes, because there's only room for one, heaven and earth can't contain him. How can any other God fit in? So if we're going to pray today, let's pray to Jesus and let's ask him, teach me your ways. I need your presence and finally show me your glory. Come on, let's unpack this for just a few moments. Okay, jot this down. Let's go through this. Teach me. Here's Moses' three prayers. When you feel inadequate for the future, number one, teach me your ways. This is Moses. This is right in between shattering the Ten Commandments and God repairing the shattered commandments. And he prays these three prayers. Teach me your ways. All right, you're not going to like this, but they said this. They said on your cell phone today. They just did a study and they said each 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 week. I'm sorry. Each day on your cell phone, we're so obsessed with our cell phones that you will touch, swipe, type at close to 5,400 times every single day. Those fingers, and some of you are doing it right now. You will go ahead and you will touch, swipe, you will click, you'll do double tap, On everything, on that cell phone, it says between 26 and 5,400 times each day. Each day is what you'll do. Every interaction up between 26 to 5,400 times that you'll begin to do this. I mean, seriously, just watch. Next time you ride on the subway, look at everybody and look at their heads, and all you see is the top of people's heads, because no one looks at you anymore. They don't look at you, and they don't listen to you. They have stuff in their ears, and their heads are looking down. Everybody that's here, seriously, you're a miracle. You're looking up here. You're a miracle today. But here's what's amazing. They said, you ready for this? They said that what those touches and swipes will do, if you add that up, they said on a yearly basis, it averages out that all the touches, swipes, and clicks that you do on your cell phone averages to a couple million times a year a couple million times a year on a cell phone so you're going like that's a bible pretend it's a cell phone and so you'll go ahead and do all of that touching and swiping and everything else on that but here's what's amazing can you imagine if we did that for god can you imagine that before we went to a cell phone we went to god's presence that before we touch swipe or click we just go god i'm gonna look at you teach me your ways teach me your ways." two million times it's grabbing us away But just if we can offer up a prayer, teach me your ways. Because here's what I've learned with God. I've learned this with God, and I want you just to get this. When you say teach me your ways, that involves time with God. In order for God to teach you his ways, it involves time. Spending time with him. You know, that word way is an interesting word. It's a word that I learned, the best way I can explain this word way, it means a pathway through a field, it's, it's well-trodden, it's stepped over so many times, it creates a path. I knew this, some of you knew this growing up. When I grew up in Long Island, we did that and got yelled at by my mom and dad all the time. We, we played baseball so much in our backyard, we trotted out, just well-trodden, a base path to first, second, third, home. We had a pitcher's mound, we had, we had a, a home plate, and we didn't do that. We didn't dig up anything. But when you keep walking on it, it, t- it kills the grass and creates dirt. And what it was saying was, if you keep doing that over and over again, you'll create that path. I think God has well-trodden paths. And he just says, if instead of you going to a cell phone, come to me and I'm going to teach you my ways. I'm going to teach you those well-trodden. Can I, can I teach you? a couple of what I would call a few well-trodden paths after four decades of ministry I want you to jot these down you're going to see them on the screen I call these my well-trodden paths some of them I learned from brother Dave and 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 here they are get ready to jot these down and so hey let me help some of you these will be good these will be good touches cuz not every one of those 5400 touches are bad on your phone so if you don't know if you're going like pastor Tim you go through too fast okay let me help all the older people the 80 year olds Here's what you do. So just, just hold up your phone and take a picture of the screen. If you can't write, just take a picture. That's all you have to do. Some of you are going like, you are a genius. Okay, so stay with me. Here it is. Well-trodden path number one. This is what I've learned. I learned this from Brother Dave. God always makes a way for a praying man. I'm just telling you, if you pray, God always seems to make a way. Jeremiah 33:3 called call to me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. It's so funny. As I'm saying this, all, I see all these cameras going off in here. I never should have taught you this, but you're such an obedient church. Number two, if you take care of the poor, God will take care of you. Don't easily walk by someone on the streets that's sitting there asking for money. I know what you're going to say. Well, they're going to use it for drugs. Going to, who cares? Don't be a private eye. Just, just bless the poor. They're, they're poorer than you are. Who cares? I mean, we're, we're, I, listen, for us, I'm telling you, if you take care of the poor, God will take care of you. That's why I'm so thankful for Child Cry. And your generosity helps us to touch these 44 countries that Treg and the missions department are working around the world. Proverbs 19:17. if you help the poor you're lending to the lord and god always repays his debts he always does that winning the lost. here it is that's the heart of god everybody who's asking jesus come soon jesus come quickly the vaccine 666 listen to me listen close do you know why jesus isn't coming just yet because he wants more people one to him that's what it says so i'm going like jesus wait Let us win more people. So when you sit there and go, oh, he's going to do born again, you bet I am. I want to bring as many people. Why is Jesus delaying his coming? It's not me. Peter said it. Listen to it. 2 Peter 3.9. He isn't really being slow about his promised return, even though it seems that way. But he's waiting for the one good reason. He's not willing that any should perish, giving one more time for sinners to repent. All right, get ready. Get this one down. This is what I've learned. Whoever is intimate with God will never be intimidated by men. Spend time with God and you won't be afraid of people. Listen to Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body and send them to hell. Man, there's too many pictures on this one. So I'm, so, so I'm afraid of some of you going like, take a picture of that one with hell. Okay, stay with me. I'll leave that one on the screen for a second. Look at me for a moment. This is, this is an intense verse. Those who are intimate with God won 't be intimidated by men. When, when Cindy and I were pastoring in detroit we we're building um, we 're building a children 's center gym for the community we 're doing some community things we we're building something and right there in the heart of Detroit every night we had we had a we had 24 hour guards and we had guards with dogs and everything they broke in every week and stole our stuff they were stealing drywall and pipes and tools and and compressors everything and I, I, I just said, I can't take this. We'd put up no trespassing. We'll prosecute you. Um, you know, don't do this. I mean, we've done everything. We're building this for the community. And finally, I had enough, and I said, I want Matthew 10, 28, put on signs, and I want to put it all over the building. If you go to Detroit today, let me tell you something. When you would go down an alley and into the areas of that, of that building that wasn't yet done, you'd read this. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body, but be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body and send you to hell. Listen to me. They never broke in again at that point. It was, we, were, we, were, we were free of people stealing us. Some of you are going like, I'm using that verse in my home. Okay, Here's the other thing I've learned. Praying churches are praising churches. People think that praise comes from music. That's not true. People think praise comes from doing the right songs. That's not true. You want a church that knows how to praise? It is a church that knows how to pray. How do you know that, Pastor Tim? It's Psalm twenty-two, twenty-six. 26. Those who seek me will praise the Lord. That's the, that's the church. So if you have a church and you're having... and Listen, if you're watching even online and you're a leader and you're going like, my church doesn't know how to pray. My, my, my church doesn't know how to praise. We have a boring praise service. Don't look for new songs. Start a prayer meeting. Seek God Praise comes out of a prayer meeting. That's what it comes out. Of. And let me just say this. Let me give you one final well-trodden path I've learned. He may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. <laughs> Psalm 31:15 says, God, my times are in your hands. It's not in the hands of my iCal, it's not in the hands of my calendar or when I want you to come. God knows when to come, and thank God he comes at the right time. So That's why this is so important. God, teach me your ways. Teach me your well-trodden paths. Show me what I need to do. Number two, jot this down. God, I need your presence. Jot that down. I need your presence. Presence means fellowship. It means help. It means guidance. It means, God, I need you. I need your presence means I can't do this without you. God, I can't take the next step. I may have the favor of God, but there's also the fog in front of me, and I can't do that unless you're with me. Okay, think of this. How do you go from sheep and three people to leading three million people? How do you do that? Was Moses, did Moses calculate it? Was he just a good businessman? He didn't go to business school, he doesn't have an MBA. How do you do that? How would you lead this? Here's what's amazing. How do you lead 3.5 million people out of Egypt? And this is what I found out. Let's just talk about bread. You ready for this Times Square Church? Bread and water. The US Army's quartermaster general is the person who's in charge of the supplies for the entire army. And somebody, a few years ago, decided to calculate Moses' feeding program of 3.5 million people. You tell me if Moses figured this out, ready for this? If you had to feed three and a half million people a day, what, how much food do you need? And I'm telling you right now, before you answer Costco or Sam's Club, neither of those are gonna work. You need 1,500 tons of food a day, 1,500 tons. If they said if you wanna know what that looks like, that's filling two freight trains each of them a mile long. That's two miles long. Two New Jersey exits of train just full of food per day to feed the people. Well, you got to drink water. What does that mean? Here it comes. If you only wanted to drink and wash a few dishes, no bathing... It would take 11 million gallons each day. If you wanna know how many tanker trains that is, that's a tanker train, 1800 miles long, just to give them water so they can have that, so they can get through that. And you're thinking to yourself, that's just food and water. You know what God had to do just to open up the Red Sea talking about water? If they would have just gone through the Red Sea in double file, the line would have been 800 miles long, and it would have taken them 35 days. But they said in order for that Red Sea to part and then to go through in one night, that Red Sea didn't depart for them to go through just double line. It says it parted three miles long so they can go through 5,000 miles um, abreast. Because every time that, that people was so big, every time they stopped in camp, 3.5 million, it says that there, that, was a camp, that was a campground the size of Rhode Island every time they stopped at a place. And you're telling me a guy with two kids and a wife knew what to do? Can I just help you folks? And some of you are worried about tomorrow. I think God's got you from this point on. If he can do that every single day. You ready for this? For 40 years, he can take care of you. He can take care of your kids. He can take care of your future. He can take care of your finances. And every time you're thinking, God, what am I going to do? Lord, teach me your ways. God, I need your presence. And finally, let's close with this. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Let's finish here today. Show me your glory. Pastor Tim, what do you mean by that? this is a religious word that sometimes I think new Christians don't quite understand it. And the fact of the matter is, I don't even think old Christians sometimes understand it. New Christians are going like, glory, what is that? And, new, and old Christians are going like, we want the glory of God, but what is that? When we're saying we want God's glory, I, it's, let, let me try to give it to you as, as simple as I can. It's, it's, it's God's Some worth, it's, it's, it's what makes God famous. It's what puts God, it's, it's, it's God's, um, really his, his coming into your situation. Or let me just say it like this. Glory always has a God story connected to it. When the glory of, when the glory of God comes, there's always a story of God attached to it. Let me say that again. If you talk about glory, there's always a story of what God began to do. When you talk about the glory of God, there's a story of God that is attached to it because when you see his glory, you're going to get that story. You're going to see a God story and God's going to get the glory. Then when you say show me your glory, God goes, "Okay, get ready because I'm going to do something special with this." See, when he says in 33:18, and Moses prays, "Show me your glory." This is what God says. Okay? I'm gonna make all my goodness, here it comes, it's gonna pass in front of you. Here's, here's, and let me read to you the next verse. The next verse says this in verse 22 it says, When my glory passes by, I'm gonna put you in a cleft of a rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. And this is the part that got me. It says, Then I'll remove my hand and you will see my, what does it say? My back, which means he's already gone by. He's already gone by. Wait a second, Pastor Tim, what does that mean? I think, I have this sneaky suspicion that what God was saying is this, is that by the time you realize God was in your situation, he's already gone through getting ready for the next situation. That as you're going like, God, where are, wait a second, there you are. And it, you don't even see his face. You don't even see his hands, his feet. You see his back. Because God goes, I already took care of it. While you are worrying about it, I'm on to the next project, taking this next thing. That I'm doing this for you. This is what's amazing to me. What God does is God says, I'm going to pass right in front of you, but you're not even going to see it. What does that mean? It means this. God has already walked through it. God says, I'm there. I'm walking through this thing. But when you finally see it, And you're going like that's where you were that's what you were doing that's why you were there and then you look at somebody going have i got a story to tell you god was just here let me tell you what god has done it's not your story it's what god has done for you how many realized after the story was done god was there how many have ever done that i'm telling you i do that all the time i'm going like because it's hard to see him when you're in the middle of your situation I'm gonna give you just my opinion. I believe the strongest man in the Bible was who? Samson. I believe he was scrawny little pipsqueak. That's what I think. I don't think when you see Samson, he's going like, ooh, you've been lifting that planet fitness. I don't think that. Because then you're gonna go like this, what? Like, are you on keto? are you you know are you what, what how how did you get how did you get buff because they never would have asked him where did your strength come from isn't that interesting where do you get your strength you don't ask someone who's buff where does your strength come from you ask the little tiny guy where does your strength come from and so god gets the glory of that story think about it the founder of this church Have you ever seen David Wilkerson? He wasn't very big. And he's going to send him to the gang members of New York City with Nikki Cruz? David Wilkerson, where do you get your strength? Brother Dave didn't come in like this. He didn't come in like this. Let me just tell you something. But he did come in with the authority of God. Why? Because when the glory of God's there, the story of God is there. And it's what God has done. Samson is not strong because he worked out. Samson is strong because of God. David Wilkerson didn't lead those gang members to Christ because David Wilkerson was an ex-gang member. He had the glory of God upon him and the authority of God. And let me just tell you something, folks. When you're uncertain about your future, let me just tell you, all you have to say is, show me your glory. You're gonna get the glory, it's gonna be your story, and I'm just gonna back off and go, God, you did it all today. Only God could have done this. And can I say this to you today? Here it is teach me your ways god i need your presence show me your glory come on say them with me say this say this with me teach me your ways i need your presence okay here's the big one show me your glory come on say it one more time come on how many want to see his glory come on then say it come on if you're at home and you're watching say it in your living room i don't care what your kids think say it show me your glory that's what I want want to hear and can I tell you if we pray that today show me your glory and here's what's amazing God answered that prayer for this planet 2,000 years ago because the greatest story of glory is found in one person ready for this Jesus Jesus is the glory of God he did come in fact Hebrews 1:3 says he is the exact representation of God. He is the radiance of God's glory. See, glory has a story. And here's the story, here's that story. You ready for this? God loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. Some of you today are sitting here, some of you are watching online. You're sitting right in this place. And maybe like that gentleman from Egypt who God nudged him and he took a step in the fog, obey the nudge, live in the fog. That's not only favor of God, it's also when it gets a little cloudy and you're not showing, he didn't know what to expect here. But he knew if he obeyed the nudge, God was gonna speak to him about his shattered world. And some of you are sitting here today, some of you are watching online, some of you are watching on a different day of the week, other than a Sunday, and God is speaking to your heart today. You know what the nudge is? God is real God can fix what's shattered in your life God can change you from the inside out obey the nudge it says God is here that no matter what you have thrown to the ground with the gift the gift of the Ten Commandments out of anger is shattered and God goes I'll still even though it's your fault I'll still put it back together but it has to start with taking the blame first and going, God, man, I'm, I've messed this up. I walked out. I was walking out of the sanctuary after the first service. And a young lady met me and Elder Jerry there as we were both sitting there for the, we were just getting ready to walk out. And she says, Can I just talk to you? And this precious little young lady talked to myself and Elder Jerry. She said, I've been in church all my life. And today, after singing and hearing so many sermons, today was the first time. Elder Jerry heard it. Today was the first time I realized what it means to be born again. And I gave my heart to Jesus for the very first time today. She obeyed the nudge. And today, you can obey the nudge today. What do you mean, Pastor Tim? God loves you. No matter what's shattered in your life. No matter what's happened, I don't, care, I don't care how much money you have or how little money you have. I don't care if, if you're watching online or in pre- present right here. It doesn't matter. God wants to change you from the inside out. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? Jesus calls that brand new relationship being born again. In fact, Jesus said this in John 3:3: No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. That's not, that's not our term, that's Jesus' words. Until the day Jesus takes me home, I'm gonna take as many people as I can to be born again with me. And today, I don't care if there's one or 100, today you can be born again. It's the most important question I can ask you, have you been born again? What does that mean, Pastor Tim? Jesus was saying, using a picturesque language, saying just as you were born physically the first time, you need to be born spiritually the second time. What do you mean? The first time, many of you were born in a hospital, physically, and you have a birth date. But you need to be born a second time, spiritually, on the inside, and you need a born again date, where you say, come and change me, God, from the inside out. Well, how does that happen, Pastor Tim? Here it is, ready? It's as simple as A-B-C. Those three letters correspond to three explanatory words. A, admitting I'm a sinner. I've shattered my life. I made some poor decisions, but today I'm gonna make the right decision. I'm gonna be born again, but I'm a sinner. That from on the inside, starting with me, every one of us have a condition and it's called sin. It's when I get honest with God. I can't fix myself, I'm broken. There's, There's a condition in me that the day I was born, I didn't come out, I didn't come out as a as a floor model. I came out, I needed assembly required. And let me just tell you something. Every child that's born, as cute as they look, they are sinners. And if you don't believe that, you don't have any children. I'm telling you right now, first word they learn is no. <laughs> then mama. And then they put them together. No mama. <laughs> It's it's a brokenness inside of us. And we can't fix it. There's not a priest or a pastor. A promise or a program that can fix you. It's an internal issue that needs to be fixed. Well how does it get fixed? That's the B word. B. Believe that God sent his son to fix us. God loved us so much. That he would fix us. He didn't simply say well you got to get good and you got to take communion like you did today you got to be water baptized if if we could get good to get to heaven then jesus wouldn't have had to come and die for us but he did have to come and die for us he he died the death that we should have died he lived a life that we couldn't live and he gave us a reward we didn't deserve called heaven and forgiveness and then at sea confessing him as lord saying you're in charge of me now romans 10 9 and 10 Talks about him as Lord, meaning you're the boss now. Teach me your ways, oh God. Teach me your ways. Folks, listen. Online, right here. Listen listen carefully. Here's the part I want to tell you. Jesus didn't come 2,000 years ago and die for you in the balcony. Die a death for you just to get you to sit here for 90 minutes. That wasn't his intention. He didn't want your Sundays. He wants your life. He wants you 90 minutes a week, he wants to spend eternity with you. That's what he wants. He wants to be with you forever, forever. Well, Pastor Tim, how do I do it? I thought if, if I'm a good person, that, that I'm a, how, because here's the question, how do you get to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. I, that's good, but that, that's not what Jesus said. You have to be born again. Well, I took communion. Great, but that's not what Jesus said. Well, well, I'm, I'm a Baptist or I'm a Catholic, I'm Jewish. Or, those are all great things, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus, not time Scripture, said you must be born again, John 3, 5, Jesus, who cannot lie. So how do I do this, Pastor Tim? I'm just simply gonna pray a prayer with you. I want everybody here to bow your head and close your eyes, just for a moment. If you're watching online, I want you just to listen. It's the most important prayer you can pray, but if you're here today, based on some COVID protocols, we're gonna be very careful. I'm gonna ask you to do just one thing. I'm not going to make you come forward i'm not going to make you stand but i'm asking you to do this if you're here today as i'm looking across the sanctuary and those that are listening online if you're here today and say pastor tim when you pray that born again prayer i want to take that next step i want god to change me from the inside out i want to be born again and some of you are thinking man i've shattered my life i'm telling you you can put it back together but it has to start with a relationship with him I'm inviting you not to a religion. Religion says come to a place, relationship says come to a person. And if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether in person or online, you say, Pastor Tim, I want, when you pray that born again prayer, include me in it. I want to start a journey with God today. I want Him to change me from the inside out. If that's you, with no hesitation, balcony, main floor, even if you're in your home watching, if that's you and say, pray for me, Pastor Tim, put me in that born again prayer. I'm gonna ask you to do one thing, no hesitation. I want you right now, just lift your hand and hold it up high. Say, put me in that prayer, hold it up high, because I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 44, 45, 46, 47 Can we put our hands together and thank God for what He has just done? Hey, you know what's exciting to me? We've seen 80 hands go up for the very first time today to receive Jesus Christ. Come on, let's do this. Let's all pray this with them today. Come on, say this out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin, my shame and my guilt, and you die for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. Okay, here we go, say it loud now. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. Heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, come on, let's say amen together and thank God for what he has done. Hallelujah. Hey, here's the good news, all right? So get ready now. I'm going to ask you to get that phone out. This is going to be the best of your touches of the 5,400 touches on your phone. You ready for this? I want you to text CONNECT to 51,000. Those are in the sanctuary, those online, text connect. And we're just going to help you on your next steps. It's going to be that that simple. Just to get that phone out. Come on, I know you've been using it. So get that phone out. It's going to be your best touch of the day. Is you're going to connect 51,000. We're going to send you next steps on your new walk with Jesus and help you with that. I want everybody to stand with me today. I'm rejoicing what God has done. All day today now listen to this I, I I want to announce this today just to be real careful when we say amen we have prayer teams that are down here to pray for those that are here so if you're here today and and even watching online we will pray for you so if you're not here we have people online prayer hosts that will pray for you online and if you're here and need someone to pray for you we will separate We'll will we'll have them spaced out but we'll pray for you any need that you have today We want to pray for you today. Isn't it good to be in God's house today? Great to share communion. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.